All right, so if you've been around for a while and you've been paying attention, you might know that I am not, let's say, a smooth man. I am what's called an awkward human being. I, I, I embrace it. I think it's fun. In fact, I think one of my many talents and gifts I bring to the table is the fact that I can make people feel really, really uncomfortable, and I'm just fine with it. Case in point, our lead pastor, Pastor Dan, He's a good friend of mine. He's like my boss's boss's boss. And so like he's always around. He's, and he loves to like hug people and shake hands and stuff. And I'm really bad at the interaction of reading how to shake hands. So he'll come up to like shake hands and he does this like big old like Michael Phelps like breaststroke swing. And I, like I said, not a smooth man. I'm like, I don't know where this is going. So he like swings his arm around and I'm like, okay, we're going for a hug. So I go in for a hug. But he goes in for a handshake, and then his hand is just like poking me in the stomach, and I'm hugging him. (laughs) And then because we're already in a really uncomfortable position, I'm like, well, we're here. So I start patting his head. (laughs) And if you've seen him, he's bald. So it's even like a, a layer more awkward. So I'm just like patting his bald head, and then I'm like, I'm deeply uncomfortable, and I know he is. Why don't I rub his back to make it feel better? Just, you know, double hand, rub his back. All the while, he's still like karate spearhanding me in the solar plexus or whatever that's called. And I'm just like, this is where we live. Like I, you can ask anybody I work with, I make it so awkward all the time. And half of the time, it's just genuine, like, I don't know how to act in this situation, so I'm gonna say the weirdest thing that's on my mind. And half of it is like, I love to make people squirm. And, and it's hard sometimes though to be in that uncomfortable space. And one of the ways that we can feel uncomfortable here in 4640 is when we're in our time of worship. You guys may have noticed we kind of change up the order a little bit. Usually after our announcement skit, we come down here and we worship. Well, tonight I wanted to talk about worship and why we worship and what we, why we do the things we do here in 4640, like in our followers series because as followers of Jesus, we worship. And so I wanted to look at the questions tonight. Why do we worship? And then how do we worship? And look at what that looks like. And then I want us later to put it into practice. So to answer the question, why do we worship? Well, first of all, we worship, we come down front and we sing songs, we dance and we praise and we do all that stuff we do to firstly encounter God and secondly, to grow in relationship with him. You see, we come down front to worship, right? And so does anybody know what this is called? Stage is not the answer. It's called the altar. And so it's called the altar because back in biblical times, they used to have like a table or like a stage where they would, they would sacrifice animals. Now, we're not doing that tonight. Nobody get any weird ideas. We're not, nobody needs to call PETA. It's fine. We are fans of animals here. We are not sacrificing any animals, but we call this an altar and we worship at it because we want to make a sacrifice of praise. We want to make a sacrifice of worship. And that's why we come down front and do those things. But I think that it's interesting that there are two ways to say the word word altar. So there's the the word altar, A-L-T-A-R, like the altar that we worship. And then there's the word altar, A-L-T-E-R, which is to change something, which is to alter how it's made up. And so one, one is a place where we worship and sacrifice is one, and one is to change something. And it seems to me that the altar is where we, we are open to God altering us, right? Not, not who we are as like our identity and who he created us to be, but, but how are we managing our time? How are we like in the space? Are we comfortable? Are we worried about our own comfort? Or are we worried about making God feel welcome and known? And so we come to the altar to leave altered. We come to the altar to be 
altered and let God change us and mold us and, and grow us here on earth. And so, like I said, we worship to connect with God, to encounter God, and we worship to grow in relationship with him. And one of the ways we do that is to show God affection. It's like when somebody does something nice for you, you're often like you, you reciprocate, you, you bring back niceness to them, right? And so God did the ultimate nice thing for us, right? He paid the ultimate price by dying on the cross for our sins. And so we come down and we worship him to pay it back, right? It, it's the least we can do. Jesus died on the cross and the least we can do is come up and sing songs and put our hands in the air and dance and, and show him how much we love him. Now, when you're in a relationship with somebody, like in my marriage, I tell my wife I love her all the time, right? I can't just like do my life focused on myself and my comfort and expect my wife to know that I love her, right? I have to show her that I love her with my actions. I have to sh tell her that I love her with my words. And the same is true with God, if not more true, right? And how many of us really feel comfortable singing or putting our hands up or dancing? Like four of us, right? Joe, for sure. Brittany, I know, is super comfortable doing that. She asks to be on the worship team all the time, and she always gets told no, because she makes what we call a joyful noise. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying, you can't really carry a tune, but I love that you're worshiping. And so God doesn't care about it being good. He cares about that you're doing it, right? And, and the truth is, it's not about our comfort at all. It's about God feeling welcome in this place. So now that we've answered why we worship, how do we worship? And the first we're going to look at is, is praising. And so we call this praising or singing, or it's like when we do the really fast, exciting song. And we believe here that big praise equals big presence. And what that means, Pastor Joe has talked about it a lot. It's like when you have the big beanbag chair and a little tiny, like two-year-old classroom chair, and you're like, the way you praise, the way you worship is ushering God in. The Bible says that, that God is enthroned upon the praises of his people. And so are we going to give him the big, comfy beanbag chair, or are we going to give him the tiny little dinky chair that nobody fits in, Right. Are we going to give him the big comfy chair and say, you are the head, you are the king, you are welcome, and I will put my comfort aside so that you are comfortable. And that's what we mean by big praise equals big presence. We praise God because we are big fans of him, right? We should be showing that kind of excitement and joy about God when we are praising him. I mean, think about it. People go crazy for their favorite sports teams all the time. But why is it that the Broncos get all that praise, but God doesn't, right? And I'm not saying, I'm not hating on the Broncos. I love the Broncos. But you know what the Broncos always do to me? They leave me disappointed. They leave me frustrated. And they leave me angry because they can't figure out how to win without Peyton Manning. You know what God has never done to me? Okay, yeah. And then we trade Von Miller and it's fine. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But you know, God has never done those things to me. God has never left me frustrated or angry or hurt or disappointed because he is a good and loving God. And so all I'm saying is, is our praise should be more intense for God than it is for our favorite sports team. Our, our praise should be more intense for our God than it is for our favorite band or our favorite movie or whatever that thing is. God should have the throne in our life. And when we praise him with big praise, it shows him that that is true. Psalm 98.1 says, sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory and his holy arm has shown his saving power. So we praise God to show him that he is welcome, that he is the king on our throne. But then we also praise him because of the victory and the battles he's won in our lives. 
That, that chapter goes on to say in verses four through six, shout to the Lord all the earth, break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing, for your, sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious song, with trumpets and the sounds of ram's horns, make a joyful symphony before the Lord, the King. This is why we sing songs the way we do, with the band and the fast songs and the lights and it's all exciting. Now, obviously we don't have trumpets or ram's horns going off up here. That would be weird. But we have, you know, we have the keyboard and the drums and the guitars and the singers and, and all of the crazy lights and stuff. Guys, this is not a rock concert, right? We don't do any of this to look cool. We don't do any of this to make it like, guys, yeah, we saw this sick band at 4640. That's not what this is about. This, these are our worship leaders. And they come up here and we do the lights and we do this crazy cool stage on the altar and stuff so that God knows we care. God knows that we are intentional with how we present ourselves in worship. God knows that our praise is not just our actions, but how we built this room. You, you see all these cathedrals throughout Europe and all these old churches that are like huge with stained glass windows and the buildings are all pointy and crazy looking. And they built those to worship God, to praise him. And we did the same thing with this building. Psalm 151 through six says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heaven. Guys, we are in God's sanctuary right now. The house of the Lord is 4640. Like we've said a few times already, this is not just a rec center. This is not just a cool place to hang out. This is the house of God. And so we come here to worship. We come here to praise. We come here to learn about him and encounter him. That is what we do here. Verse two in Psalm 150 says, praise him for his mighty works, praise his unequaled greatness, praise him with a blast of the ram's horns or keyboard, because we don't have ram's horns. Praise him with the lyre and harp, which a lyre is like a guitar, but it's more round. Um, praise him with a tambourine and dancing, praise him with strings, again, guitars, and uh, praise him with the clash of cymbals. Again, this is why we have the band. They're not up here to perform for us. They're not up here to look cool like they play guitar and all this stuff. They're up there leading us and worshiping God. And, and we need them to do that so that we can follow their instructions. We can praise and, and all these things in a way that honors God. And finally, this chapter ends like this. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you have breath in your lungs, you are called to praise God. God breathed his breath of life into every single one of us. And when we praise, when we worship, it's exhaling that breath, right? And every time we breathe it back in in worship, we're, we're pushing it back out when we praise him. And so the next thing we're going to do goes along with praising and it's called dancing. Dancing in church is one of those things that like it's good, but there's definitely a line, right? And so it's not only a time to be dancing out of excitement, but it's a time to dance in, in front of the Lord. It's a time to dance upon your disappointments, right? We, we heard earlier that God triumphed in victory for us. He, he, he strong-armed the enemy and, and won all our battles for us. And so when we dance before the Lord in praise, we are declaring that God is victorious. And in the Bible, when they danced in, in victory and stuff is because they just won a battle. They just won the war. And so we do that same thing here. When we go through hardship in life, when we go through things in life that we need God's help with and he wins the battle and it works out, we dance to show him that we are grateful. We dance to show the enemy that we are victorious. But this is not a time to show off. This is not a time to show off your best dance moves to make your friends laugh. In fact, you have to look at what you're doing if you're dancing and praise and think, is this for me or is this for the person next to me or is this for God? 
right? Am I doing this because everybody else is doing this? Or am I doing this to get a laugh? Or am I doing this to show God that I am grateful? I am so thankful that you did fight that battle on my behalf and that I am walking in victory. 2 Samuel 6.14 says, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. Guys, I know it's painted in society that like, it might not seem that tough to, be, to, the, to dance, or it might not be that cool, or it's, it's kind of weird, but, but let me just recap who King David was for you, okay? Let me just remind you about his track record. King David killed lions and bears as a child with just a stick. King David, yeah, like a, a piece of a tree, he killed lion and bear. And, and then he killed a giant who's named Goliath who stood nine feet, nine inches tall with just a sling and a stone, right? David was the mightiest of all the warriors in Israel's army, and he was described by God himself as a man after God's own heart. It says that David danced before the Lord with all his might. And if David, the manliest man in the Bible, can do it, so can we, right? It was, a, it was not about being cool. It was not about how he looked. It was about showing God that, that his vulnerability, his uncomfort didn't matter, right? Have you ever done anything with all your might? Have you ever like tried to pick up something that's too heavy and you used every bit of your strength? Imagine doing that in praising the Lord, leaving it all out there to where you are exhausted by showing God just how much you love him. That chapter goes on in verses 20 and 22. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, who also happens to be David's wife, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. You see, kings during the biblical time didn't dance. They didn't run. They like walked around in their big fancy robes and people opened doors for them and they carried them from one place to another. Kings weren't known to like get off the throne and do anything. And so for David to come down off the throne and dance before the Lord, dance so hard that his wife was uncomfortable with it, dance so hard that people around were like, we've never seen this before. We don't know what to do with this. Dance so hard that the Bible says his clothes had trouble keeping up. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but it was, it was like culture breaking. It, it was unheard of for a king to do this. And David says, I am willing to look even more foolish than this. You see, David didn't care what anyone, even his own wife, thought about him when he was worshiping God. We should adopt the same attitude towards worship. It doesn't matter what the people around you think. And just because they're around and they're poking fun and stuff, which by the way is not okay. It's not okay to make fun of people in worship, but we shouldn't care about that kind of thing because it's not for them. It's for God, right? Worship is for God. Now, dancing and praise looks like this. It looks like jumping up and down. It looks like spinning in a circle. It looks like swaying and putting your hands up. It does not look like your best Fortnite dance. It does not look like slow dancing with your boo. It's not a mosh pit or anything that you would see at a school dance. You know what I'm talking about. That is not for this place. 
Dancing before the Lord is a way we express our love and affection for him and victory. And it goes back to being vulnerable and doing something that might be uncomfortable for us to show God that he is more important than our comfort. Raising your hands in worship is a sign of surrender, right? That's why we do that. And you know, that's silly and, and funny, but there is a meaning by, behind why we do that. It's a sign of telling God, I surrender my life, my own agenda, my comfort, whatever I'm going through, God, I give it to you, I surrender, right? The international sign of surrender in war times and stuff like that is to put your hands up, right? That's a sign of surrender. And think about it this way too. How many of you have like little, little brothers and sisters, little babies, right? What do they do when they want picked up? They put their arms up, right? And, and that's what we're saying to God too, right? Is God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I, or even God, I just want to be held. I just want to be picked up and carried by you because I feel loved in your arms. So when the, when the worship leader says, put your hands up, we're not talking about catching these hands, right? It's not an invitation to fight. When the worship leader says, put your hands up, it, it, it's an invitation to surrender what you're going through. It's an invitation to surrender your life to God and, and, and trust in him with the outcome. And lastly, what we do in worship is we focus, right? God deserves our full, undivided attention. So when we're down here, we're not worried about what other people around us are doing. We're not paying attention to that girl over there who's crying. We're not paying attention to the guy who's next to us, like throwing his hat up in the air for any reason. We're not paying attention to your buddy who's trying to get you to laugh and stuff because God is our full, undivided focus when we are in worship. Did your friend die for your sins or did Jesus? Right. So why are we giving our attention to people who didn't stand up for us on the cross? Why are we giving our focus to somebody who isn't God when we are here to worship him? You see, I, I looked up the word attention. Another word for focus is attention, right? I looked up the word attention in the Bible, in the New Living Translation. And do you know how many times that word is in the Bible? 86 times. And about 80 of them, it says pay attention, I think it's safe to say that God wants our attention. He wants us to pay attention and he wants us to focus. Now, this means being focused on what is happening in the moment when we are here worshiping God, right? When we're praying, when we're worshiping, when we're listening to the sermon, right? It's about our focus because God is always speaking to us. And if our focus is not on him, we could miss what it is that he has for us. And it could be the answer to what you need in your life. It could be the answer to what it is you're going through. But if we're focused on somebody else, if we're focused on how we feel in our comfort, we could miss what God has for us. So I want everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. And we hope that you feel honored in this place. We hope that you feel loved in this place. We hope that you felt welcome here because Jesus, all of this, is for you. None of it matters without you, God. And so we are just so thankful, Jesus. We're thankful that you met us here. We're thankful that, that you are fighting on our behalf. And God, we choose to be thankful. We choose joy. We choose to believe that you are good no matter what. And God, most of all, we choose to believe that if it's not good, that you are not done yet. So Jesus, we just lift everything that's going on in our lives up to you right now. We surrender, we raise our hands up to you and we say, God, come and have your way in my life. God, lift me up, carry me through this battle because I trust you. 
Jesus, we love you so much. And I ask that you would bless every single person in this room as we walk out of this place today. And that we would remember why we worship and what to do when the time comes. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.